pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. Greetings, KB. So glad to have you back for this occasion of celebration. Encouragement, right here where you are champions. So thrilled to have all of you back with us today. This is the Law of Attraction podcast that deep dives into life source, the substance of belief, the power of kinetic belief to attract and manifest whatever you can think of or imagine. StephenCanyon.com is the website. Greetings, my friend, Miss Maggie. <laughs> hey, bestie. You're back in the air chair. So glad oh, to have you here. Me, it's good to be here. I'm tripping. Thank you for the great salad, by the way. That oh, was yeah. really, really good. I think any Helpful. salad, any salad is good if you put fried chicken on it. <laughs> oh, stop it! Was that what that was? Yes. Oh. What did you think it was? <laughs> Tater tots? I don't know what it. <laughs> I need to work on my recipe then. I, just, I, was, I was reading and eating, I, oh so I wasn't gosh. paying attention. I got to pay attention to one, one or the other. Are you tripping on endorphins right now, like, like I am? Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> good lunch. Yeah. Hey, oh, thank you. question. I think I know the answer to this. Oh, okay. But and and I was thinking earlier because of actually. And I'm not going to go into all of it, but we were involved in some surprises recently, and so I was going to ask you. Do you like or dislike surprises? Because I think that most people are kind of, they go one way or the other. Oh, yeah. And, and I know, for example, the family I grew up in, there I had a couple of siblings that there is no way that they would want to know in advance of receiving a gift what the gift was or oh, going right. to be. Yeah. Me? Are you kidding me? I can't. A surprise drives me crazy. I want to know. I want to know in advance. It, and yeah. I, I like I like being surprised that I've got a surprise coming. <laughs> but then I want to know what the surprise is. So is it still a surprise? It, it's kind of like two negatives, right? Um. <laughs> anyway, there's your question. Let me do the math <laughs> on question. this. Do you like, really quick. Do, you like or, um, do you like or dislike surprises? I don't like surprises. I love surprises. I love being surprised. It is, I think, just, it's my bread and butter. I love it. Uh, I think it's a fascinating question, and I think it and, reveals something. Well, and you even about, said that it drives you crazy, but I like, I like the drive. But at the same time, it's like, it's not a surprise if you know it's coming, so you can't really be driven crazy. But you don't know it's coming until you're surprised with the knowledge that it's coming. Well, don't if it's a surprise, though, don't you only know it's coming once it's revealed? Isn't that the whole point of a but surprise? But if you don't know what it is until it's like it's wrapped up, then it's still a surprise, even though you know it's oh, coming. Oh, see, now, I don't see a gift under the tree as a surprise. I see a surprise as like, um, okay, great example. I met you down at Starbucks a few weeks ago, and I just... You had gone down there first to get some work done. I met you over there. I sit down. I get my laptop out, and you pull out the, this most amazing, beautiful turquoise ring that I had been looking at in a gift shop days before. That is a surprise. Okay. Well, that's a type, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. You, of course, you love that. <laughs> I what are you thinking, laughing at? Well, I was just thinking. I was thinking of that. Recently, I mean, it was, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I went down to Starbucks without you uh-huh. and you said you would come down later. And, <laughs> and so I'm working, I'm doing some things and right, doing, working on some content and you, you came walking in and I was totally surprised and delighted to see you. Oh, it happened? I don't remember this. Yeah. You surprised me because I, did. I didn't know exactly what time you were going to be there. Oh, but, 
want. That's it. But I'm with you all day, every okay, day, now, all I'm gonna the tell time. On you. I'm going to tell on you because this is hilarious. So <laughs> this is what really happened, everyone. So I, before I get down to the coffee shop, Steve starts staging all of these hilarious, like almost movie montage photos of living his best life. So he is, you know, he's texting me photos with with bands that are playing in the streets and he's you know i'm getting pictures of him with the baristas and then and the mailman and the ups guy that was fun that was funny like i'm living i'm down here living my life megan you better hurry up (laughs) i had 30 minutes and i was running from one event to another and having my picture made with a banjo player then with a couple of dogs then with a barista and then with a pony and then the the chickens across the street and sending them to you you're like man 30 minutes what kind of how do you do that that's a two weeks worth of vacation memories what are you doing have making memories without me that's actually sort of hilarious to, to text your significant other like look at this life i'm living without you one of the most illuminating ways that you'll find out how somebody else really feels about you Mm -hmm. is to surprise them and let me just say that how somebody feels about you really should not not be any of your business but if you're curious but if you are curious (laughs) about their business or your business that is one way is to surprise who you thought was your best friend or whoever but and and again i just i think I think I like surprises too because it's the it's the thought. It's it's somebody putting the the significant amount of thought into you and because I know that's what I do when I surprise someone. So I think that's probably the best part about it. Because you what know, it means. I think so too. I, I agree with that. And I also think that like for example, if you, you know, your best friend is at at the beach and you surprise them, you go walking up behind them at the beach and they think you're 500 miles away and they turn around and go, Oh my gosh, Maggie, I'm so glad to see you. (laughs) Or what are you doing here? Now, I mean, you're you're going to. That's your best friend. That's pretty sad. (laughs) Which one? I'm sad. Going up to your best friend and them going, what are you doing here? But either one of those, if they have enough time to think and to get into character, well, yeah. then they can still pretend to be your best friend. That's true. Right. Wow. It's none of our business. We stripped surprises Should down to... Should we work to... on some highest viewpoints? <laughs> no, <laughs> right? I think we got Signing a little off. bit more to talk about. Okay. what What is the topic today? Well, I'm excited. Surprise you know, me. <laughs> well, actually, you know, while the relationship, and that's kind of where we got to with this, between two human beings, um, can take on so many different aspects of character based upon the uh, true intentions or the the motives in mm-hmm. one's heart the personality yes. that can't be masked whenever you know in the midst of, of a surprise but and I was mm-hmm. thinking that in, in sort of along those same lines that while the relationship that we have with consciousness which is our higher state of being when we are aligned with consciousness uh, the mind of the creator to have that kind of a relationship, that transcends the natural, transcends the ego, transcends identifying with failure, loss, sadness, wins, all of those things that come and go. It does. Re- it requires constant, continual observation, paying attention to. And when we are observing the higher essence of life source, from which we draw sustenance, sustenance for enjoyment, these these uh, subcategories to the modalities we were talking about the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when we we draw that sustenance for enjoyment, happiness, peace, and 
the the sensuality of interconnectedness with oneness is what we're doing because it is emerging or re-emerging through awareness with higher consciousness, Mm -hmm. with the creator, that everything begins to work. And and it works in the way that the essence of all this goodness becomes us, which has nothing to do with the tangible beneath us. And so the greater experience manifests from this place beyond that of just, you know, for example, being a spectator, of just watching something. You're enjoying something because you're watching it. And the empowerment then to evolve through attitudinal kinetic beliefs, and this is kind of where I wanted to get to, it's just inherent within every single person. You are fully empowered if you will dare to go there and see and observe to experience whatever kind of life you could ever think of or imagine. I'm really, um, wow, you use the word sensuality when describing our our relationship with with consciousness, with higher consciousness. And I just think that's, I've never heard that word used in that context. And I think it's um, sort of a light bulb moment because it takes us deeper. It takes us beyond this almost a clinical or even cerebral understanding of, of that relationship and and almost gives us the sense of, of intimacy. Well, that truly is what a utopia is. It's when all your needs are met through the interconnectedness of being one with the Creator. And it's a sense of well-being, and it's the holistic sense that we uh, really Mm. dug down into recently, and where all things are working. And there's just the splendor of magnificence and fullness of life that is not only available, but it's being entreated, and it's coming from within, And and it very much is a... There's a, a sensuality to it, and through that interconnectedness, it's wow. becoming one with another, which is a very intimate way of understanding what our relationship is with love, with unconditional mm. love, the spirit of love. Wow, that's beautiful. Yep. Spiritual beings, which all of us are, first, foremost, and last, spiritual beings, while, while we are here having this natural experience in the land of the living— we all develop from the greater source, and it is from within that we develop. There is a knowing, and it's innate, and it is within all of us. Whether or not we're participating with it through the uh, a relationship and, and a oneness with it, it's still the greater source that is within all of us. And it is only through the energetic of love. And, and language is such an inefficient way of, of <laughs> trying to describe what's actually going on in this, this other realm, which we all have uh, uh, contact and the ability to contact and connect with. But the word that we use is love. And it is, but it's not even the same. Uh, it's not the cognitive uh, idea or expression of love. It's an unconditional mm-hmm. essence an unconditional longing, an unconditional acceptance, really, is what it is. It's sort of a funny realization, the limitation of, of words to communicate this, because I was just remembering that song, you know, all you need is love, that song. <laughs> and how many times did they say it over well, and over well, and over, hoping, right. hoping that you would get some kind of enlightenment <laughs> from well, that? if it was enough, the world would be changed, you know. I mean, <laughs> Isn't that true? How many times We is that, don't need to be here. <laughs> how many times have you heard that song? Exactly. So, <laughs> well, but that's, that, we have to dive deep. That really, you know, in all seriousness, is the the best that we can hope for from language is that it does just enough to turn the light on inside. Mm. 
Because it's not through cognitive awareness that we become interly connected with oneness, but it is through the the prodding and the unctions that come from without and come come from the meditational process of looking within that turn the light on and that you just know that you know that you know that something else is going on and Mm -hmm. that there is a peace that surpasses understanding that begins to become you. And so only love and really beyond the way that we know it, only love is capable of the dissolution of somebody's self-image. Nothing else will get you there. Everything else is, is built upon comparisons, better, worse, greater, less. But love, unconditional love, acceptance, will ultimately, it gets you to the place of the, the dissolution of your, what you uh, connect yourself with in the natural realm. The way that you, the way that that people in the egoist state of being will identify with forms. And so love is the creative empowerment of infinite success. And that's really what I want to talk about. Infinite success. That means in anything that you could ever desire to put your hands to, it's not just the potentiality of, of a kinetic energetic moving you toward the goal line of what you want to receive. But it is that infinite success in every direction, that absent self-image, the thing that you have identified with, you move into that place of uh, instant, mm. instantaneous success, without which, you know, a, a, it, without that, the way that life unfolds for the one who's immersed in ego is there's just this costly endeavoring throughout time upon uh, those people that are insisting on the strivings of their efforts and that alone. That's all you have. There's not an assistance from the universe. There's no help from the creator. In fact, love says, I accept your desire to do it on your own. So I'll be here if you need me because I am immutable and I, my, I promise that I will not leave you. Mm-hmm. In fact, you're my masterpiece and my masterpiece has choice. And so you get to decide and I'm going to allow you to put out the effort to do whatever you can do on your own. As long as you should you know, strive and, and choose to strive to to complete a project on your own. You know, I was about to ask um, about the true nature of, of love, because obviously we've been talking about how limiting one single simple world, word can be. But the narration that you just took us through all of a sudden made me think, well, everything you just said, it sounded like it's coming from our creator, as if love and creator are interchangeable. Is that right? Love and creator are interchangeable? Well, you just you just sort of did, not interchangeable. Well, I'm I'm asking if they if they could be because you just did this sort of almost like a monologue mm. as if love was speaking to us as an entity. Love is yes. And, and it sounded right. so much like what you describe a creator our creator would be saying the universe would be saying to us. Yeah, in the creative in the creative realm and the creator the creator the bias behind the the big bang that slung everything into existence. The the substance that we recognize as being love and the the tangibility of, of that can be quantitatively identified mm-hmm. is the God particle is an attachment to the, it's the handprint of the creator, which is an unconditional 
uh, uh, substance that we all have access to, but only in the right kind of alignment. And mm. it is, mm. in other words, the the tangibility energetics of fear, of all of its forms, will remove you from uh, the the purest access to the form of love that we have access to. And so when we talk about the identity of that substance being the identity of the creator, um, and I think in the the limitations of the way that we imagine things to be, like a person, you you being a personality and me being a personality, mm-hmm. the, the personality of creation is a reflection of the personality of the creator. And the access that we have... Th- through empowerment to be imitators of the Creator, through the power of unconditional love. That's our access to the personality, to the likeness, to the oneness, to the where we kind of began with the uh, um, intimacy mm-hmm. of interconnectedness through the substance of love to the personality of the Creator. I feel like already today is just, it's just so jam-packed with revelation knowledge because I'm all of a sudden seeing love as something that's permeating. It's permeating out, you know, mm-hmm. the original mm-hmm. intention, the original creation, the Creator, what we are as creators. And so imagining love as the substance that sort of that wants to sort of seep into every crack and crevice and niche of our lives is is really beautiful. Uh, now we can say that love has a desire. Love is the expressed personality of the Creator. Wow. And so they are interconnected in that way. Mm-hmm. Love in the authenticity of its purest form, it has no scale, no measurement for meeting out dosages, dosages of, of its favor, mm-hmm. of what it will produce on its behalf on your behalf in relationship. Love just is. It has quantifiable substance and it has energy. Love has form, the form of which creates. And when you tap into the oneness effect of its energy, all things become possible for those that imagine to create in the essence of unconditional love. In the essence of mm-hmm. unconditional love. Now, while while creature, um, uh, every single creature, every living thing is born of unconditional love, love is still in its purest form. It's unconditional, and the pliability of it favors those who create with it in mm-hmm. its likeness. Now, this is what uh, sets apart the human condition from that of other life forms. Right. And so the universal substance of limitless building materials, and that's really what you know, everything you can see comes from what cannot be seen. And the substance of all of that is easily, and here's this, I want to get to this place <laughs> I today. See you, <laughs> here, here is what you need to understand is that attraction, the law of attraction is easy. It's working for you whether you want it to or not. In fact, most people are making a wreck out of their lives using the law of attraction. They're destroying everything they touch the law of attraction mm-hmm. because the energetics are incorrect. But the universal substance of limitless building materials are easily attracted by those who remain steadfast in relationship with the consciousness of creation, which is the pliability of unconditional love as we understand it. I can really sense myself uh, fully awakening to the the 
total, the, the height, the, the depth, the breadth of, of what love truly is, because it is an overused word. It isn't, it's, it's used so much in, gosh, in advertising and conversation in relationships, and it's misused so much of the time. And so I can feel how necessary today's podcast is because it's opening up my eyes and my mind and my higher self to this, to this fullness of, of understanding where love is concerned. Unconditional is a wonderful word to put in front of the word love mm. and to sort of get a little bit closer to understanding it. Yeah. But even as soon as you think you understand it, you you miss it <laughs> because it cannot be cognitively reasoned with. Mm. And so, but what we do understand is this, is that the way forward, and that's what we are, we're all on a journey. We're yes. going somewhere. And that's through the experiences of more and the unfamiliar We'll never run out of that treat as long as we're looking for it. And so the way forward in the awakened state of being is fundamentally without judgment. Mm-hmm. Without judgment. Good, bad, nice, not nice, whatever. Without judgment. And what happens is when you begin moving forward without judgment, you're producing freedom. A, an absolute, untethered, completely removed freedom from condemnation, freedom from the exhaustion that comes with egoic reasonings. That's that thing that wakes you up at three in the morning and you're going, dear God, what am I going to do? Well, let me reason through this. If I say this, they'll say that. If I do this, then that will happen. Those kinds of reasonings are exhausting and they're not meant to be. Lifetimes, in fact, are consumed by the fires of contempt regarding who's right and who's wrong. Mm. The, the, the linguistics of debate are formed and they're reformed and they're not satisfied at all with the, all of the, the uh, replicated imitations of consciousness. And that's what the ego does. It's just trying to uh, appease what should be with what is reasoned to be. It's an imitator. And so... All of those imitations of higher authority, of consciousness, it's just, it, it produces temporary enjoyment, for example. It will produce uh, circumstantial happiness, which is just a band-aid. You know, you can go out and buy something new and say, I'm a happy person until the thing is no longer new. It will produce pharmaceutically induced health. It will produce war-torn peace. All of those are imitations, nothing authentic about any of that. Mm-hmm. In the exact same way that children will possess their toys from, and we were talking about when we were in Orlando, there was the swimming pool behind us and the screams of delight and they would start <laughs> early in the morning and they would go until late at night every single day of the week. And it was a different kids coming in and the number of Marco Polos that I heard <laughs> cannot be counted. But then we, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was at Starbucks the other day, and we had just gotten here from Orlando, and they called out a guy's name. They went Marco, and I almost said Polo. I mean, I've heard I it. Do that. I heard kid. it so much. <laughs> Marco, Polo. Oh, that's just re- re- beyond ridiculous. We were conditioned. But I was thinking about all of those shrills, which were just, just joy, delight, yeah. and I would have been, you know, screaming with the best of them had I been out there in the pool with them. But. In exactly the same way that children will possess their toys, and they'll make sure that you understand the ownership from the shrill of mine. It's one of the first words that you hear. Right. 
egoic possession, and that's what it is. And that develops actually beginning, and it's been, they see it between the ages of three and four years old, typically. And so it develops then as part of the personality. And then what happens is from adolescence and on up into adulthood, with the practice of maturity employing the exact same madness of identification with things, with merit to worthiness and rank and all of those things, there is the development of the ego state of being that becomes hardened to what can be seen and what can be touched and felt. And, and all you have the adult saying, mine. Mm. What, and we interpret that through the imitation of love. And a person will say now, you know what, Maggie? I love you because of what you do for me. Mm. I'm happy with you because you make me happy. I, I like you because you make me joyous. Me, mine. No pressure, right? Not authentic. <laughs> Gosh. This is an imitation of unconditional, isn't it? And I'm trying to connect the dots here because it seems as though this essence of love, you know, you talked about judgment, being free of judgment, and that's what love does. So it, it it's seeming that, are you, are you telling us that this essence of love will automatically remove judgment, remove labeling and forms from our life and allow us to live authentically in that way and in that place? Correct. Because we're no longer meeting out of measurement. There's mm-hmm. no longer a, if you do this, then I will do that. The consequences or the cause and effect of a relationship are removed. Yeah. You become one with all things without there being a merit. And so a state of unconscious desire, which is the ego, is unawakened. It's unawakened to the inner genius of purpose. And this becomes the the animated state of being, a person that is asleep going through this life. And it's the illusory of possession that veils the fullness of that which is hidden from within. Those in the world that are in a hurry, going from one thing to another and Mm -hmm. racing over here, racing over to this other place while worrying about being somewhere else, identify with being busy. They're identifying with being rich. They're identifying with being sad or poor, identifying with being somewhere else, being something else. All of these things are of the unawakened disorder who cleave to the animatronics of fakery to the archetypes of authenticity. And the sleeping are just but one wink away from becoming fully awake. And this is the process by becoming, first of all, aware. Yes. You may be in a dreamlike state right now because you are asleep, but you're hearing. And it's from hearing again and hearing again, listening to these podcasts, working your way through a guided journal, reading material wherever you can find it, that talk about these things, of the, un- the, the merit of unconditional love that uh, needs no meriting, and, mm. and all of these energetics that come from a higher source of being. This is the thing that will cause you to transcend the ego, to fully awake to consciousness, and the empowerment then that comes from being in that state. What you're telling us today, it's really giving me the sense that I want to pursue kinetic belief and pursue this journey from from a new and a fresh place, not from the cerebral analytical place that we so often default to. And I'm wondering, how do I make that leap from, you know, attaching words of understanding to what I'm experiencing to 
a sensation, the essence of love, the essence of the higher self, the feelings of this and and embodying that in a way that's not so, you know, one plus one equals two, you know, just I want, I want to be able to immerse myself into this, into what you're talking about today, this true sense of love, um, beyond thought, beyond measurement. One of the first things to do is to recognize that you are scrambling in your uh, process of survival. And by scrambling, I mean you're going, people will go from one thing to the next as quickly as possible, trying to survive, trying to grow themselves, to become something else, to take on a new identity. And it's those scramblings that are confusing and that are continuously changing. And as soon as you can rise above mere survival, you will awaken to the empowerment of miracles. And by empowerment of miracles, I mean that you become a producer of them through your expectations that are not double-minded. Manifestations are not from the necessity of needs and Life-promoting attractions are not from mere wants or wishes. If you have somebody um, asking the question, um, they, they say, okay, I hear you. I want to go from surviving to thriving in kinetic belief, but I, I'm struggling to pay bills and I, I have 13 children or my spouse doesn't even begin to under, understand manifestation, my partner. Um, those excuses are so ready-made. And a lot of times I think they're ready-made because they're so in affronting. Mm-hmm. They're so in our face 24-7 and undeniable. Um, what what should be our gut reaction to ourself when we pose those excuses and we pose those questions to ourselves? Well, first of all, recognize that the ego needs an excuse. Mm-hmm. So that's absolutely from the ego. When we say those things. That's correct. Consciousness needs no excuse. There's no, there's because there's nothing fallible. There's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. All things are made perfect from higher consciousness. Mm. So excuses aren't required. And so this is the person that's still trying to develop um, through reasonings, potentials for success and excuses for failure. Wow. Attractions, attractions of the the kind that we desire that are of the good kind that we are, you know, journaling to expect from our highest viewpoints that conform to awakened desires, our genius of purpose are those that are aligned with that of consciousness. They are immutably aligned with the desires of unconditional love. Mm. Unconditional love has no excuse. Conditional love has lots of excuses. You weren't this from me. You weren't that from me. You took this from me. You took that from me. And now I'm less than I was before you ever showed up. You know what you just said? It really gave me the sense that of a, a new facet of love, which is something that we can journey in and almost put it on as if it's a, a, a covering or a, or a sense of self or, you know, walk you know a walking in love as we go throughout life am i doing this in love is this relationship in love am i is what my reaction that i'm going to have to someone is that in love and it seems like that would be such a wonderful mantra to carry with us throughout the day because it sort of fixes everything as we go through our day 
Right. It doesn't count any wrongs, does it? And so it is unconditional in that way. But here's what most people are doing, Meg, is they they feel caught up in the routines of daily living so much so that deprived life from any kind of a semblance of significance. And they feel like their life is useless. It's meaningless. It's pointless. And they're going round and round the, the, the same mountain again and again, living the same life over and over. Where's the significance in all of this? What is the point in all of this? How does my life matter? No one seems to appreciate me. No one seems to ever really say thank you. And I I feel like I'm pouring myself out and I'm showing up when everybody else is too tired to be there. And I'm the one that works first, hardest, and I'm still there when everybody else has left. All of these kind of things. Where is the significance in my life is the way most people will just sense their, their, their way of uh, the, the course of their daily activities. But now, you know, so many people believe that life is just passing them by in this sense. And they are, they truly are living from day to day, from the mental uh, docks of one day my ship will come in. <laughs> How many times have you heard that? They live from day to day thinking one day things will change. One day I will be recognized. One day, I'll be wealthy. I'll be this. I'll be that. One day. One day never comes. Other people, so many others, they feel severely restricted by the demands of their job and and the supporting of a family or, you know, by their finances or restricted by, you know, whatever the living situation may be. And so many are just, they are consumed, Maggie, by suffocating stressors that take the air out of their lungs. And other people, um, they are suffering from an unquenchable boredom that they can't seem to shake and get it off of their back. Day in and day out, the the stressor of nothing changes that create this sense of, of uselessness yeah. and a sense of being bored. And then there's some that are just lost in the frantic pace of doing, racing about, you know, yesterday wasn't enough. You saw how busy I was. I'm going to be even busier today. And if I'm not busier, I want to make sure that you think or that you at least know that I am a very busy person. Quick to, to run from, from one task to another. And in a sense, they're, they're just quicksanded into a routine way of life. There was a little girl that I knew growing up, and she had this box, and it was just a shoe box, but she had folded hundreds of pieces of paper and shoved them down into this box, and she would carry it everywhere with her. And when it, whenever she had sort of a, a moment, she would pretend to sort of rifle through them looking for something, you know, almost like she's a very busy secretary. You know, that, yeah, it, but but I, I overlay that, you know, uh, with so many people that yeah. I've known that have that syndrome of I need to be busy. I need to be seen as busy. I need to feel busy. I'm going to tell you I'm busy. And it just makes me think of that little girl all grown up rifling through, you know, blank sheets of paper, just trying to get people to think something mm. about you. Children imitating the ego, learning yeah. how to practice the ego. <laughs> a little boy I knew out of my neighborhood, and I would, every time I would see him, he'd have his, his little fist balled up on his hips, and he'd say, I've got a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he did, but um, as long as I knew him, he had a migraine. But we're, we're teaching, <laughs> what are we teaching the kids? You know, so many people long for freedom. Freedom, as though it has to be granted by someone else. Mm. 
In the life-expanding prosperity that the illusory promises, people are longing for it. And so they go after those promises that are already inherent, that come from within, actually. Still, there are others that are already enjoying the, uh, an egoic freedom that comes from a, uh, a temporal prosperity, but only to discover that, you know what, even a lot of money, even this big house that we manage to say that we own, even though the bank owns it, <laughs> and the expensive car, all of that stuff, even if you do own it in the sense that you think you do, whatever, it's not enough to uh, endow their lives with meaning, not lasting meaning. Not the meaning that comes from the platform of unconditional love. There is no substitute for finding your genius of purpose. There is no equivalent to getting up every single day, intimately aware of your creative abilities to kinetically believe the manifestation of your passions. There is no substitute for that. There is nothing that will ever replace you from being able to blueprint the life that you want to experience, the one that you desire from within that's innate to your genius of purpose. I took a really great art course one time, and <laughs> part of it was trees, and and the, the instructor went in with the tiniest brush you've ever seen to paint every single little limb to make it look realistic. And then, you know, and I'm thinking, I've, I think I've seen artists do this with a big brush, right? Really fast. And it, just as I was thinking that, he says, now everybody, there's no shortcut to this. This is the only <laughs> way to do this. I've tried it every other way. If you want your trees to look like this, this is the only way. Don't be in a hurry. <laughs> but this is what you're saying about our genius of purpose. Like we want to go in with a big broad stroke and just go, oh, fixed, done. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, moving on back to the ego. It's a way of life. But there's no, no shortcut. Right. This right. is the only way. Mm-hmm. And this is the only way to sort of, and I see it, what you're telling us right now as building it from the ground up. You know, we're, we're making sure that the root system is correct, because then as everything comes up from there, it's naturally perfected. Perfected in that it's not just about being awareness. It's not just about being Zen. It's not just about being in peace or being happy all the time or joyous all the time, although those things are real and, and temporal and will take over the, the temporal as well as coming welling up from within. It's still not it, not in its totality. What is it is all of that in the authority, in the empowerment, in in your uh, position in life to be able to speak and see, to imagine and desire with gratitude and with words and with action, move through this life in a way that you're creating in the image of the Creator and that you're putting your hands to things and they become better, that your territory is expanding and that you are a blessing to everybody that will ever meet you and that your light shines and that your love is a a tangible uh, love that has substance and strength to it, that through the manifestation of more of you being here in the land of the living that all benefit and the world changes through the butterfly effect of your life source. Now, you've said recently that you, you've reminded us that belief without an action attached to it means nothing. It's really just lip service. And I'm, I've, I'm wondering if that's the same for love. I mean, mm-hmm. if somebody says I love you and, and there's no act or vice versa. You say you love something or someone and, and there's no action tangibility attached to it. Does it even exist? Is it, can it even be 
real. Love, like so many of the attributes of the creative spirit, have an imitation. There's an imitation that is presented as being the authentic thing. And that's just an entertainment to the ego. And the ego is, is propping itself up with things that are not authentic. And the sense, same is true with love. This true, awakened, primary purpose of your life, it cannot be found on the outer level. Because the imitations like that, imitations like limitations, they don't last and they are void of the eternal impression of life essence. Awakening to to higher consciousness fills the soul with insights for living the abundant life. And much in the same way that Jane Austen wrote about in her novel, Emma, when she said, I do suspect that he is not really necessary to my happiness. I love that book. <laughs> it's sort of hilarious. A little enlightenment will go a long way, won't it? <laughs> I'm starting to suspect. <laughs> but, but abundant joy and happiness, overflowing prosperity, ensconced in consciousness, is not concerned with what others may or may not do for you. It is not based upon what you do. It is not based upon what you have or who you have pretended to be, but envelops that which you choose to be in the moment of your one present tense now. And that which you already are is perfectly made for advancing your mind, body, and soul on this journey of indescribable pleasure. And it's, it's in pursuit in its natural way and state of being, in pursuit of manifesting whatever it is that you can think of or imagine from the singularity of this one place. Let's do work on some highest viewpoints, Meg. Yes. Just say, I am, I am un unconditionally in love with who I am. I am unconditionally in love with who I am. And who I was uniquely. And who I was uniquely. And beautifully. And beautifully. Created to be. Created to be. So I cast down all bitterness. So I cast down all bitterness. And all anger. And all anger. And resentment and strife. And resentment and strife. And unforgiveness. And unforgiveness. And right now. Right now. In this moment. In this moment. I am so free. I'm so free. To be abundantly me. To be abundantly me. Because I am strong. Because I'm strong. I am beautifully and courageously made. I am beautifully and courageously made. Well, I'm a river of love. I'm a river of love. And it's flowing through the universe. It's flowing through the universe. Directly to me, in me, and through me now. Directly to me, in me, and through me now. So I release my fears. So I release my fears. And I gratefully expect. And I gratefully expect. All that my best life must become. All that my best life must become. So right now. So right now. Right now. Right now. On this spectacular day. On this spectacular day. I am attracting this great wealth of abundance. I am attracting this great wealth of abundance. It's mine. It's mine. I never respond in anger. I never respond in anger. I always react in peace. I always react in peace. While I'm busy. While I'm busy. Attracting the abundance of love. Attracting the abundance of love. And of joy. And of joy. And of so much happiness. And of so much happiness. To me. To me. That's in me. That's in me. And through me. And through me. To thee. To thee. Right now. <laughs> right now. Wow. The true essence of love. I think we all can collectively celebrate in, in the truest understanding of love. And I saw all of you text Kinetic yesterday. So I'm going to mention it again. We had so many new subscribers sign up. Text the word Kinetic to 844-844-0049. And make sure you also go to stephencanyon.com to sign up for the weekly newsletter that's going to be going out later today and include the latest blog and all kinds of 
exciting stuff. And I can tell by the look in Maggie's eye that right now she and I are collaborating, sending out much love and light to all you KB <laughs> creatives all around the world. Yes, and you know it, Steve. <laughs> Thanks as usual for all the wisdom. Bye.